There's only one nation, Raider Nation. You're listening to Silver and Black tonight on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. It is time, Raider Nation. What's up out there, Southern California? Raider Nation around the world listening to us here on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. This is Silver and Black tonight, only on Friday nights here uh, on the Boomer, the 50,000-watt juggernaut up and down the West Coast from Baja to the Canadian Rockies. Thanks for being with us. Lots to talk about tonight. Scott Branson, your host, along with my co-host, Mr. Mo Moten. If you're listening to us, whether it's over the air, on the TuneIn app, or at the mightier1090.com, uh, that's what we're here to do. We're here to talk about Raider football. I bring in my partner, Mo Moten. Uh, he is the national NFL writer for Bleacher Report, also Raiders contributor. Excuse me. Too many B's and D's tonight. Uh, Raiders contributor over at sportsnot.com. Mo, here we go. Uh, it's time to talk. We're talking about the combine, and we're going to do a lot of combine talk today. And one of the questions I'm going to ask you is, why do people care so much about the combine? We'll get into that in a minute. But we have to start off the show with a key thing that happened this week, Mo, because it's, it's, it's very, very important in world events, sports events, the NFL this show, and that is everyone who knows you knows that you have very strong food takes. And so we're going to start here. How the hell do you not like mint chocolate chip ice cream? I don't get it. You, 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 butter pecan. I'm with you there, man. I'm with you. Okay. I'm, I'm, I'm standing there with you. I'm buying it. I'm, I'm taking it. But how do you not like mint chocolate chip? It's the third, depending on the source, the third or fourth best selling ice cream in America. How could you be so wrong? Scott, have you ever took toothpaste and put it there <laughs> and added and sprinkled some mint, uh, some chocolate chips on that toothpaste while it's frozen? That's what mint chocolate chip. Ice so you like no mint? You like no mint? Mint anything is disgusting. What? All, junior mints. Oh. I, know, I know pepper. People say peppermint and mint are two different things. Anything minty that's not an actual <laughs> mint for your breath is disgusting. If it's not no junior breath, mints. No junior mints oh, at all. No clon. What? Oh my gosh. No. Nothing. No. No. no none of the little. None of the little mints after dinner at the restaurant. The uh, that's the only mint that I'll. Oh. Take. And that's okay. The so that. your breath, but as a dessert, <laughs> as an actual dessert, I'm not. I'm not. Oh my goodness. It, I'm not. I'm not putting anything mint in my mouth as a dessert. If I had some garlic, yeah, pass me a mint, but not in my <laughs> ice cream, please. No, oh. Well, I, I want you to know that I did my research, and I'm gonna I'm gonna pop this up. So we are also we stream the show on YouTube. So if you like to watch it on YouTube, it's also up on Facebook, uh, so you can see this. But but for those of you listening to us on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio, uh, this is a video. It's it's a screenshot. So I want to show Mo how wrong he is because if you look at the screen here, Mo, uh, this is. The uh, uh, frozen dessert supplies uh, of America. So, you know, they kind of supply restaurants with ice cream and all that. Van- vanilla number one, two is number chocolate, three is cookies and cream, which I like cookies and cream, but I don't understand why it's number three. That doesn't make sense to me. Number four, what does that say? Mint Scott. chocolate chip. Scott. Mint chocolate chip. First Butter all, pecan is six. Scott, first of all, any list that starts with 
number one topping is vanilla. It's probably a list made by someone who's 85 <laughs> years old. But it's That's- true. Vanilla is the top flavor, as crazy as that sounds. Vanilla is the is the Alex Smith of ice cream flavors. <laughs> yeah, it's it's fine, but uh, you could do better, you know. Here, here's Newsweek story, right? They they had a little kind of the, the countdown. <sighs> Tied for third, butter pecan, strawberry, and one mint chocolate chip. They were they were right there together. So. Yeah, so uh, enough, enough of the ice cream. But but I want to know, and this is where we brought up with our good friend, uh, my former colleague and co-host over at Raider Nation Radio in Las Vegas, which was Q. Uh, and Q and I had the whole Pop-Tart thing like last season, and I won that one. I'm telling you, I'm going to win this. We're going to put it up on Cited.co on the Cited app if Mo is right or wrong about mint chocolate chip being garbage and that you should never have mint ice cream anything so we're gonna do that so we'll see we'll see mo we'll see what the tribe says to us should have should have won my my sided cap today (laughs) me too me too shout out to (laughs) shout out to our guy scott kaplan uh all right so mo let's start in now we're gonna start in with with um josh mcdowell's and by the way i have now given him his new nickname can you see it over my shoulder josh Josh mcdeezy i like it okay i'm trying okay what do you think? Okay. Tell me. I'm, I mean, listen, they'll tell us in the comments on YouTube and on the podcast. Yeah. I, I was going to say, my opinion doesn't matter. Raider Nation will definitely <laughs> let you know if it's acceptable or not. They always let me when, know when I'm off the mark. But Josh McDeezy, Josh McDaniels, speaks at the Combine. And a couple of things I want to highlight here, Mo, and I know I saw you talking about this in social media with some folks, too, was uh, what he talked about one of the Raiders' top draft picks last year. And that is, of course, Alex Leatherwood just completely struggled at, at right tackle moves them to right guard. Uh, and so they asked McDaniel uh, at the Combine uh, uh, on Wednesday about Alex Weatherwood. And here's what he said. An interesting word here that I want to focus on, but I'm going to play it for you here. Here's Josh McDaniels, of course, Raiders head coach on Alex Leatherwood. I see him as a um, you know, guy that played a lot of football. You know, there's a lot to evaluate. Um, you know, playing as many games as he did as a rookie, um, there's good and there's bad. Uh, but when you're that young, uh, you look at it as what, what can we what, what can we work with? What can we fix? Uh, there's a lot to do uh, in that process. Uh, I've already spoken to them. Um, that process is underway, and I think what we'll end up doing is whatever's best for the Raiders. You know, he's shown the ability that to play. You know, in both spots. Um, you know, more guard last year than tackle, but um, we see him being a contributor. Uh, we see him being a guy that we're really excited to work with. Uh, we're going to try to get the most. Out. There you go, Josh McDaniels. Okay, so at the beginning there, as he starts to roll into that, Mo, he, he says they see him kind of as a role player. Now, is that is that what you want of your number one draft pick? Absolutely not. Uh, that's That's a word that you would panic a little bit if you're thinking your first-round pick could be something of a starter. Uh, you don't want to hear that because when I hear role player, I'm thinking utility offensive lineman, meaning he can fill in the gaps whenever a starter is out. So that's a little worrisome. But I, I'm in the camp that still thinks that he'll be the starting right guard. Um, I like the tackles. I like a lot of the tackles in this upcoming draft. We'll talk about that. But um, I, I think outside was more of a right guard. But when you hear role player, you know, your, your antenna goes up a little bit. 
no doubt about it. And and to me, that that's what I know. But but to your point, it doesn't mean that he's not redeemable, that he can't become a solid player. Of course, uh, uh, worthy of a number one overall pick for your team in the first round, that is, maybe perhaps not. But I think that they, they have to try to do that. And I think Josh McDaniel knows with, with as many concerns as they have, they're going to have to give him some more time and see what he's able to do and then be able to evaluate him with this new coaching staff. Uh, but, but that offensive line remains a need, and you look at right tackle, that's going to be clearly, and you're covering the combine this week, Mo, backward and forward, um, that's going to be something they're going to have to watch out for, right? Yeah, absolutely. The offensive lineman uh, jumped off today. So, uh, you know, I wrote about it on Sports Not, and that'll be up on, on Saturday, but – I think the Reds will have a chance to get a pretty good right tackle at 22, even even in the in the second round. If they don't, if they don't, you know, if they go to cornerback or wide receiver at 22, I, I think there's enough depth at the position you can get a, a starter in the first two rounds. But I do think you give Alex Lugo at least a chance because, I mean, do you give up on a first round pick after one year, especially after no. you switch positions? I don't think so. I think he's going to have a chance to at least battle for a starting spot. And I think. You know, depending on what they do in free agency to draft, he'll be the front runner for a starting spot. He's the right guard or right tackle. Absolutely. All right. So the next thing we want to talk about, Josh McDaniels at, from his press conference earlier this week at the NFL Combine in Indianapolis was a question that I just don't understand that brethren we have in the media and the sisters we have in the media, of course. i got got to be gender uh, neutral there, too, because there are a lot of great women sports writers. But I will tell you um, – I don't understand, Mo, why people continue to ask the question that you'll hear, the answer to here from Josh McDaniels on his defensive format, his defensive set. We, we've talked about this a lot. Um, you know, anymore in today's NFL, 80 to 85 percent of your defense is in nickel or dime, you know, and and so, you know, the, the concept of being a 4-3 or 3-4 is kind of almost – you know, it's kind of almost out of the window now. Um, you know, what we want to do is we want to try to be able to play to the strengths of the players that are on our roster. Um, we know we have some really good players that played in a four-man line uh, last year. Um, you know, we're going to try to uh, accentuate their strengths. Um, you know, and, and at the same time, we want to be multiple enough to be able to change some things from week to week if we need to or feel like we have to to try to uh, give us the best chance to stop the opponent. So, um, you know, there'll be a level of, of multiplicity that hopefully we can uh, grow and graduate to. Uh, but the biggest thing for us is try to make our players successful by putting them in great positions. Um, again, Mo, what, these are people who cover the league. These are, these are professional reporters good at their jobs. Uh, but they keep asking the same. What is, first of all, why? <laughs> Tell me why. I, I'll... I'll I don't want to sound condescending when I say this. Okay, so you could say it. Not there's a delineation between writers who cover the sport mm. and writers who study the sport. Mm. Now I don't know who asked the question. I'm not going to pass judgment on whoever asked the question. Maybe that person just didn't know or didn't hear it before. Because <laughs> as Josh McDaniel said, he's answered this question multiple times already. But writers who don't completely have a full grasp understanding of the sport don't get the difference that. Okay, the sport is moving toward a pass. Most offenses are moving toward a pass-heavy system. So, in in response, defenses have to put an extra defensive back on the field. Sometimes it's a it's an extra safety, which you would call big nickel formation, 
most times it's an extra cornerback, which you would call your slot cornerback, which was Nate Hobbs last year for the Raiders. Now, if you don't keep up with the trends of the sport, you're going to be left behind asking questions like that. Is it a 3-4? Is it a 4-3? And as McDaniel said, doesn't really matter because you're going to have five defensive backs on the field. So you're going to have different alignments. It's not going to be, you know, three all the time, three guys up front, four guys, four guys on the second level. You're going to have a mixture. Now, I will say that sometimes you're still going to have three down linemen and you'll have a 3-3-5. Right. right. That's a nickel You'll have a 4-2-5, which is also a nickel formation. Nickel. But you're essentially taking a linebacker off the field and adding a defensive back. So it's not a traditional 4-3. It's not additional, a traditional 3-4. And I'll say this, too. Sometimes Patrick Graham with the Giants, sometimes he had a 2-4-5 out there. We had two down linemen, four guys on the second level, and five guys on the back end. But the main number to look at is the five defensive backs you have to combat passing defense, passing offense. There you go. Professor. Maurice is in the house as he gives you a lesson in uh, uh, football sets on defense. And we'll have to do that at a different show. I think this offseason, too, uh, is spend some time maybe with one of our one of our coaching guests to go over that for the defense so people understand it. But, yeah, I, I just think that he's already answered the question. Now, to be fair, to your point, to whoever this journalist was, um, this might be somebody who's not covered the Raiders before. I mean, there's a lot of uh, fellow writers that are there in Indianapolis. It's, it's a great place to go get a bunch of stuff at once. So uh, they're there in mass. And so I think that maybe uh, that could be part of the reason why you heard that as well. Now, one, excuse me, one more quote and soundbite I want to play you of Josh McDaniels, the new head coach of the Raiders. And that, of course, has to do with our favorite subject, Derek Carr. So um, we've been hearing and you and I have been saying for quite a while now that we believe Derek Carr will get his extension. And I still believe that to be true. But Josh McDaniels was asked about it and the answer was somewhat interesting. And I want to get into his answer, not so much for its direct context, but for how he gives the answer and talk about coach speak. Here's Josh McDaniels on whether they were getting closer or not with Derek Carr on the extension that we've all been talking about. No, no specific things relative to extending that at this point, uh, but that doesn't mean that's not going to change. Um, we are aware of where we're at on that in, in that process. I think we're just trying to get everything kind of set now in the building. Um, you know, our staff is obviously this has been a big chunk of this this first three or four weeks is trying to put the right people in in place here. Um, I've met and spoken to Derek a number of times now, um, just trying to begin our relationship. I think it's really an important one. Uh, the head coach, the play caller, the quarterback, um, getting to know one another as people, kind of how we think, how we work. Uh, the football part of that will come later, uh, which I think is also an por- important part of the, the, the puzzle. But um, really happy with the opportunity that I've had to get to know him. Um, he's there um, you know, he's there in Nevada. He stays there in Nevada. So um, we're aware of where things are. Uh, and, again, I, as I said when I was introduced, I'm really looking forward to working with him. He's won a lot of games. I uh, feel good about what we can do with Derek as our quarterback. There you go, Josh McDaniels. On whether or not the the supposed <laughs> extension was getting closer. Mo, a couple things there. Number one is just this guy served under Bill Belichick. I'm, I'm always curious to see why people think that coaches are going to come out and like, hey, here's how I'm going to ch- play my chess game. I'm going to move this piece to that square. I'm going to do this piece. to. They're not going to tell you, number one. Number two, you're negotiating on a contract. Now, how fast that goes doesn't really matter. There's no hurry here. They have, 
it really until July to get it done. There's not a there's not a hurry to get it done. Um, and I know fans want it done so they can just know either way what's going on. Uh, but this guy learned from the master. Okay, he learned from the guy who's going to say as little as possible. And if you do get a good question to him, he may give you a good answer. But more than likely, you're going to get a lot of generalities and you're going to get a lot of, hey, we just want to focus on this and uh, we're just trying to get to know the guy. This is not new. So I'm not sure what people's expectations were. You stole the words right out of my mouth. You probably read my mind because I was going to say the exact same thing. This is the same guy who spent decades <laughs> <laughs> under Bill Belichick. So what are you expecting? When is ever when is Bill Belichick ever stepped to the podium and gave you the direct plan of what the Patriots are going to do and who are they going to sign or re-sign or extend? When does that ever happen? Never. Right. So right. I I mean there are times where Bill Belichick will say, okay, this guy he, you know, he's going to be on our roster or whatever. But and that's what Josh McDaniels basically said. He said Derek Carr without a doubt is going to be our starter. Right. But he didn't really go into contract negotiations for good reason because. Again, you're negotiating. You want to put anything out there that his agent can use as ammunition. <laughs> so even if, even though he said we haven't had contract extension talks with Derek Carr, how do we know that's, I don't want to say a lie, but how do we know he's telling the truth on that? Because he could say we haven't, and, and they could be talking to Derek Carr right now. Who, who's going to know? Who's going to say otherwise? You know, so I, I'm not reading too far into it. I know Twitter had fun with, with the comment, and people were trying to twist it and say, oh, maybe, maybe Derek Carr is going to have to play out the last year of his deal. Nope. I'll say, look, folks, not going to happen. It's not guaranteed. <laughs> There's no way his, his agent, I believe his, his uh, Tim Younger, is going to yeah. let him go out there and play on a non-guaranteed contract where if he gets hurt and the team can cut him, he gets nothing. It's just not going to happen. Whatever, ha Regardless of what happens with his contract, how much money he gets, they're going to adjust his deal. It's just a matter of what are they going to do, a short-term or a long-term extension. Yeah, and, and, and not, that, not that John Gruden gave you a ton of stuff either – outside of his shtick, which was funny and entertaining at times. But that's what people need to get used to is these press conferences are not going to get big. They're not going to get big glimpses into what this team is doing. By the way, Josh McDaniels is the coach. Now, of course, modern NFL coaches, Mo, have input. But this is not the guy negotiating the contract. That's Ziegler. That's his job. And this is a very different structure than the Raiders had over the last four years with Mayock and with Gruden, and then, of course, before him, Reggie McKenzie. So I think people need to adjust their thinking. Now, I'm not saying you don't ask the coach the question because, you know, that's his quarterback. He's, he's gone on TV all week talking about how he can't wait to have Derek Carr be his starting quarterback, and then he committed to him, although even those commitment to him can change day to day. Doesn't mean he's not planning on it. Doesn't mean that he's not telling the truth. But how many times have we seen, yeah, he's my starting quarterback, and the next thing you know, the guy's on the way out the door. I'm not saying that's happening here because I, I think the chances of that happening are, are slim and none. But it can happen. So I think people need to realize, and this is why I'm not a big fan of the Combine, is because the Combine, when it was at its infancy, was all about the scouts going together to do that. And, yes, some football junkies and those of us that cover the sport would go to it or, or cover it, but now I think it just sets a lot of false expectations for people. And I get it. It's football. People get excited about it. But I think the expectations that, that these players have to live up to, that these coaches and fans, how they interact, to me, it just sets kind of this, this narrative that doesn't necessarily often come true. You know what it does? It sets those expectations for the people who haven't 
watched a film or haven't been following nah, these players. Good point. If this is your first time watching, I don't know, Chris Olave, you would think Chris Olave is, wow. is by far the easiest. He's the number one wide receiver in this draft. But you yeah. haven't seen Drake London. Yeah. You know, we don't, I mean, we don't know if Jamison Williams, who's got a 20, who has recovered from a 20 sale, where he's going to go. Yeah. Uh, you know, hey, Mo, guy, listen, Mo, hold that right there. Hold that thought because we got to go to a break right now. We're coming up against it. When we come back, we're going to get into the combine. Mo has been uh, drinking lots of coffee or avocado smoothies to stay up late every night to watch uh, everything at the Combine, and we're going to talk about that and what it means for the Raiders when we come back. You're listening to Silver and Black tonight only on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Don't go anywhere. We will be right back with Silver and Black tonight on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Now back to Scott and Moe on Silver and Black Tonight on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. All right, we roll on here, Silver and Black Tonight, the Mightier 1090 ESPN. We are Southern California's only all Raiders talk show. As Scott Cobranson and Mo Moten are with you, we're your guides in this journey to talk about the Silver and Black. And uh, particularly today, tonight, we're talking about the Combine. By the way, make sure you go up to our website. Yes, we have a website, Silver and Black Tonight. You can get all the show archives there. Uh, and uh, the, the show from tonight will be up there as well, so you can go check that out when you get a chance as well. Make sure to, because you don't want to miss out on all the uh, scintillating ice cream conversations between Mo and I, uh, up on Twitter, you can follow him at M-O-E-M-O-T-O-N. You can see that on your screen below if you're watching us on YouTube. Also, I am at LV Gully. You can check out the uh, Silver and Black tonight handle as well on Twitter. That's SNB tonight. We tweet not only the show stuff, but most pieces up on Bleacher Report on SportsNot, as well as my writing uh, and also random pictures of mint chocolate chip ice cream. You will see that up there as well. So we're back. We're talking about the combine. We hope you're having a great Friday night. Mo, before we went to the break, we started to get into some players and you started to talk about it. I want to I want you to reiterate the point you were making about how those folks who don't watch a lot of other football, meaning, and that's okay, people have lives, right? They can't watch every football uh, game like you do for a living, right? So, so they watch what they watch. They watch the Raiders, maybe they have a college team, and they watch, you know, when they can. Uh, but most people don't watch film, so when they see these guys at the Combine who go out and do one thing really well, does that set a false expectation for them? Because they don't know them outside of that. Yeah, for some of them. And, and as I said, it's, it's, this is the combine is really the broadcast is for the casual football fan. And there's mm. nothing wrong with that. There are, there are expert, you know, football fans who dig into the nitty gritty. And they're ones who just watch the stuff on TV, the playoffs, the big games, or they're just, just their teams. And that's fine. But that's what this combine is for. Mostly it's for them when they broadcast it. Now we don't get to hear about what goes on in these interviews. We don't get to hear about what goes on in the medical records until of course, Ian Rappaport or Adam Schefter, broadcasted on twitter but that those are the important things other than the workouts in in the shorts and in the cool sneakers and, that, and that's what matters and just one quick point about these 
40 yard dashes. And this is what gets me up in arms is that a lot of people go crazy over it because it's the easiest thing to see and say, okay, that player did that prospect did well in the 40 because he had a good time. But Steve Smith made a great point is that you can have a fast 40 as a wide receiver. That doesn't mean that you're going to be a good player when you get on the field as a wide receiver, because you got to run routes with tempo. You got to be able to stop and start. There's yes. timing with your quarterback. Yes. So the 40 is kind of overhyped because to me, game speed is what matters. And there are a lot of people making a big point about Traylon Burks yesterday running off, I believe, a four or five. And they say, well, that's slow. We expected him to run faster. And I say, well, if you look at his film, his game tape, his game speed is just fine. So I wouldn't worry about it. Right. Especially to your point about in a route, when you're running a route and you make that spurt to, to create separation from the defensive back or the linebacker, whoever's covering you, uh, that's what it's about. But I want to talk about specifically, Mo, since, since you're our guy with all of this, um, who stood out? I mean, um, um, we, we have obviously needs for the Raiders, right? If you look at what they need to do, they need wide receiver. They need uh, offensive tackle. They need linebacker. Uh, and, of course, the first day on Thursday was receivers and quarterbacks. Uh, Ritter, the kid from uh, here in Cincinnati, did really, really well as well. Um, but Olave, talk about him because, of course, he had the fastest time, so that gets the biggest headlines. Everybody's tweeting out the video like he's an alien. Uh, but but he's not just a – this is a great example of what you just said. It was a great segue. Um, he's not just a fast guy. He's not just that breakaway speed. Talk about how his speed translates not only in the 40, but into what we were talking about just a moment ago with route running and everything else. Chris Olave may not be the best wide receiver in the draft, but to me he is the cleanest – wide receiver in his driving. But I, what I mean by that, he's a smooth athlete, runs smooth, crisp routes. And that's what you're looking for in a wide receiver on the next level. Because again, sometimes on the collegiate level, you can win just on your physical tools. You're bigger and faster than other guys and defenders. You know, you will get the ball. But the NFL, that doesn't work because you're, you're, working, you're working against the best of the best. And I think Chris Olave's technical skills translate. As you said, he has a, he has a straight line speed, ran a 4-2-6. Mm -hmm. They expect him to run in the four through the low four threes. So he'd be expectations there. But if you look at his film, his speed actually translates, not just to straight line speed, but his game speed, his tempo when he runs his routes. And again, that's that's a quarterback's best friend. He also comes back to the football when the quarterback has a scramble drill. You see that on film. So I think he's perfect for the Raiders because with Josh McDaniel's precise system and his mix between short passes, some intermediate passes, especially with Derek Carr. I think Chris Olave would be the perfect match there. Now, a lot of people like the physical guys, like the Traylon Burks. Again, I mentioned him. Christian Watson, 6'4", 208, had a pretty good combine. He's a big physical wide receiver if you want to replace a, a Brian Edwards on the outside. But I think when it comes down to it, I think Chris Olave is the guy that I'm focusing on. If you pass on wide receivers in the first round, Jahan Dotson, who I think may be available in the second round just because of the depth of the position, Risk also look at him because he may be small, but he's 5'10", 5'11", 178 pounds. But again, he's another one that's been compared to Emmanuel Sanders. Smooth route runner, sleek, comes back to the ball, gets his hand on the ball. He's got reliable hands, and I think he can translate very well in the pro level as well. Chris Olave, of course, from San Ysidro, which is in San Diego, California. Um, but, Mo, you, you mentioned a couple of those other guys. What else did you see in day one 
from the wide. I mean, obviously, the wide receiver position is a position of need for the Raiders, uh, desperate need. If you tell me, they're going to obviously talk about a free agent. We've talked about that on the last two shows, I believe. But when you look at some of these young kids that you saw so far at the combine. What else did you see? I mean, this is where the Raiders fell in love with Hunter Renfro, if you remember a few years back. What, who else out there kind of jumped out at you early uh, and maybe Raider fans should take a look at and keep an eye on? Raiders fans should take a look at Calvin Austin III. They may not draft him just because he's a smaller wide receiver, I believe 5'7", five, 5'8". Five, this guy's a former sprinter and a 4'3", 39 inches on his vertical leap, 11 foot three inches on his broad jump. <sighs> And when he ran the gauntlet, the gauntlet is basically when a wide receiver has to run a straight line, can't veer toward the football. They want to see if you can run through a pass, basically not slow down and catch a pass in stride. He did that very, very well. And I briefly mentioned him, Christian Watson, who I believe is coming out of North Dakota State. Big physical wide receiver. Also, didn't drop a pass, I believe, in the drills. Looked very clean, looked very crisp coming out of FES, FCS school. I think those two guys, Raiders, should really look at. If you're looking at depth, it'll be Calvin Austin, of course. Looking at a replacement for Brian Edwards, I think Christian Watson could be that guy. But a lot of these wide receivers ran fast times. I mean, sub four, four um, time, 40 yard dash times. Again, 40 yards is not everything, but it makes you go back to the film and look at his game speed. If his game speed ma- matches with his 40 yard speed, chances are he's going to translate well on the pro level. All right, Mo, we take a look also quarterbacks. And I know people are going to get upset. They're going to say, oh, Derek Carr's not going anywhere. This has nothing to do with Derek Carr. This has to do with the Raiders perhaps getting a younger quarterback as a backup or as a development opportunity. Uh, Of course, we heard about Desmond Ritter out of Cincinnati. We heard about the kid uh, Malik Willis out of uh, Liberty. And those are the two names that are kind of rising above in what is really a terrible quarterback year. Is there anyone else that maybe Raider fans take a look at uh, the Raiders might look at in lower rounds? uh, I should say higher rounds or lower rounds, excuse me, um, to, to check out as maybe a prospect that the Raiders might fit in with what Josh McDaniels likes to do. I tried to, I tried, Scott, but I really, <laughs> <laughs> to be honest with you, if one of these guys, one of the top five guys doesn't fall to the third or fourth round, I, I'm really not taking any developmental quarterbacks uh, that I that I would feel confident in and developing Derek Carr, I mean, developing the behind Derek Carr and just mm-hmm. saying, okay, this this guy could step in and, and possibly get some spot starts if you know someone if Derek Carr gets hurt or misses a series here or there. I, I mean, I had to do some deep digging um, back in the film because again, these these workouts when you watch the combine, especially with quarterbacks, I don't really care about the 40, 40 yard time because how many quarterbacks are running full speed during a football game? Yeah. I'm more <laughs> I'm more of looking at how they did in the drills. Uh, how, you know, ball placement. Some guys aren't comfortable taking snaps from under center. They're more used to coming out of the shotgun. That was a problem with um, Sam Howe out of North Carolina. He didn't seem too comfortable sit- shifting his weight uh, from under center. And he, I guess he's used to being under the shotgun position. But as far as quarterbacks concerned, I, if I'm the Raiders, I'm probably passing on this draft of quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. And I'm probably getting a signing a free agent to a one-year deal and saying, hey, if Derek Carr goes down, because remember the Raiders are probably looking at competing for the playoffs. If you have to yeah. throw a rookie out there for any stretch of games, you're you're probably toast yeah. unless you have a strong run game. So I would pref- I would personally, I would prefer the Raiders go the veteran quarterback route if they're going to get a backup. Yeah, and even Ritter and Willis, if you look at these guys, I mean, you know, I know at one time they were projected maybe second round. 
I don't see it. I still, I still think with what's going on, and and even though you had some of these nice forties and, and throws today from these quarterbacks, I just don't see them above the third or fourth round unless somebody just gets desperate and wants and falls in love with them, which can happen. Some GMs do that from time to time. Um, but yeah, it, it's going to be interesting. Now, Mo, as we go into the weekend at the combine, uh, as as our good friend Kelly Kreiner would say, he can't wait for the three cone. Um, but uh, in realistic terms, though, what should Raider fans look for? What's coming up tomorrow on Saturday, later tonight, uh, on Friday night, and then on Sunday that uh, that Raider fans should kind of watch a couple names for them that you can toss out there? Trevor Penn, as far as offensive linemen, Friday night tonight, Trevor Penning, uh, Kennard out of Kentucky, uh, I believe is Ryman out of uh, Central Michigan. He's a little raw. He could he could go anywhere between top 20 and maybe mid-second round, depending on how you see him. Uh, coming out of, I believe, Austria. Came to the United States. Spent some time in the military. Hasn't played the, played the position maybe two years. So if you pick Ryman, it's more of a, a projection pick. What can he be within the first two years versus what he is right now? I, I, I'm really on the Trevor Penning bandwagon out of northern Iowa. Mm-hmm. Had a strong senior bowl. Has a mean streak. Physical plays through the whistle. I like that mentality as a right for a right tackle, especially for the Raiders. If the Raiders want a guy that kind of fits that mold of the old school Raider, I think he's that guy. On Saturday, you're gonna get defensive uh, linemen. You're gonna get uh, linebackers. Jordan Davis is the guy that a lot of people have brought up to me, and I can see both sides of this argument because I said to this, I said this on Twitter to someone yesterday. Patrick Graham really liked Dexter Lawrence coming out of Clemson. And Dexter Lawrence is, I believe, 6'4 and 240s, I believe, 230s. Big, big defensive lineman. And Jordan Davis is also about 6'6, about 340. Big defensive lineman. I can see Patrick Graham falling in love with him and being the anchor to that run defense because Raiders need to fix their run defense. Now, a lot of people say, don't get a defensive lineman that no, high. No specific things relative to extending nope. that at this point, uh, but what's that doesn't he, mean that's not going to change. What's Josh McDaniels invading uh, our show? What's going on there? Sorry about that. Josh McDaniels had something to say about <laughs> my draft break. He, he <laughs> Maybe did. He what's going on? Or a tackle, but, Holy but moly. No, I, can, I can see the Raiders, if they don't go offensive tackle, I can see them going with the defensive tackle in Jordan Davis if Patrick Graham has his say in the war room. Now, on Sunday, mm. the last day, you're going to get a look at cornerbacks and safeties. I like Elam who's the cousin of Matt Elam, former Ravens, uh, I believe safety, safety long yeah. cornerback. Uh, Sauce Gardner is probably going to be gone long before the Raiders pick. He's probably a top 10 pick. Stingley is an interesting name. He's not going to be testing at the combine. He opted out. He's going to he's gonna work out the pro day because he's coming off, I believe, a foot injury. But if he slips, because a lot of people had him in the top 10, and now they have him closer to 20. If he slips because of his injury or doesn't have a good pro day, yeah, it could get interesting. It could get interesting. One guy I don't think slips is Kyle Hamilton, who I'd love to see as a Raider, go Irish. But he's going to be a Jet, I think. So you get to see him right in your backyard there. It's funny because Jets fans don't want him. Uh, it's crazy. They I mean, want, it, You know what? They want a wide receiver. They want someone who's going to be a direct help to Zach Wilson. I, and I understand that. But, I mean, you have if you have a Kyle Hamilton there, even coming off the injury, how do you, how do you not take the best athlete there? I mean, it, it doesn't make sense to me. I think he's overall the best prospect in the draft. The problem yeah. is he plays a non-premium position. People don't, I mean, not people, but the NFL teams don't put a lot of 
investment in safeties. You could see it even in free agency. Only the, the top safeties get paid. Even good safeties are lingering around the second week of free agency. So the problem is he plays the wrong position. And we, we did a lot earlier in the show, Mo, about Josh McDaniels. We heard from him in the sound, and he even interrupted us because he couldn't wait to get back on the show. <laughs> um, but, but the other thing, he talked about this week because someone asked him the question about are you going to draft for need or do you draft the best player available? And his basic answer was, we're going to best, we're going to take the best player available because it doesn't matter what your positions of need are. If you can get a player that is that good, no matter what they do, whether it's another wide receiver and you take two, or if it's another uh, running back, whatever the position was, you're going to take the best athlete. I was encouraged to hear that because I've always, that's always been my point of view is, yeah, you have needs, but that doesn't mean you pass up a guy who can make your team better. Absolutely, and that's the that's the argument I think most fans also take is just take the best player available aside from maybe a quarterback if you have your starter there in Derek Carr. But mm -hmm. other than that, you just take whoever is the best player available because, number one, he's going to make your team better regardless of what position he plays. But the problem with that is, the only problem with that is, if you have a glaring need and, you have, and there's a player who's comparable to the best player you think is on the board, do you then – fill that need because it's a glaring mm. hole or do you get that quote unquote best player available, even though it's not a strong position need? I think that's when you kind of have to split hairs. It, yeah, you do. It's when it becomes really hard, right? If you're the GM and the coach and you're trying uh, to do what you can to make your team as competitive as possible, then absolutely. Um, Mo, one of the positions that you didn't talk about with the, with the, with the combine that I'm really interested in, and maybe it's the old guy in me and you remind me how old I am all the time. You little crap. Um, <laughs> but is linebacker. Like, there's some good linebackers in this draft. Even you look at the, I don't know, maybe top six or seven, Garrett Wilson's one of those guys. Um, are the Raiders, do you, do you see the Raiders maybe if one of those top five linebackers is available uh, in the second or third round? Uh, do you see the Raiders maybe going in that direction, knowing what we know uh, about Josh McDaniels? Ah. Uh. You know what? Linebacker, just like safety, is not a premium position. Not I know, it position. used to be. They, they don't, they, you know, they don't get a lot of money. They don't nope. get a lot of pub because they're not the guys getting a bunch of sacks or interceptions. They're the, they're the guys who do all the dirty work. But it's an important position because a lot of old school players will tell you if you have a good inside or middle linebacker, typically you have a good defense. Yeah, yeah. So with the Raiders situation, they have Denzel Perryman, who has one year left on his deal, coming off of his first Pro Bowl year. I think he probably gets retained and he starts. And then you have Devon Diablo, who took over for Corey Littleton, who I think is going to get cut. Yeah. Nick Kwiatkowski, I think, is also going to get cut. So you're going to have your two linebackers, but you're going to need a third guy because Denzel Perryman has a history of missing a ton of games. Injury. Didn't happen last year, but he has a he has an extensive injury history. Mm -hmm. Devon Diablo is still young, still growing. We don't know if he's going to continue to progress under a new system. So if you can get a Nicole Dean, if you can get a, a, a Lloyd out of Utah, one of those guys, I, I will be fine with it. I just don't think the Raiders are going to prioritize linebacker that high, especially in the first round. All right, Mo, we're coming, we're coming up on the end of this show. Um, what else about – I mean, the NFL completely threw away COVID rules on Thursday. So that's done with. We don't have to worry about that stuff anymore. Apparently, we just turned the page on it uh, in the country 
uh, like after a few days. And so we're done with that now, which is I'm not complaining. Uh, I like going out without having to wear a mask on. Uh, so it's all good. But you look at the NFL, you look at the dates coming up. Of course, the draft will be coming up in uh, April next month. And, and some things will start to happen here. What, what should fans of the Raiders look for coming out of this combine uh, and then the next moves the team makes and, and decisions they have to make moving up until the draft? Well, the first two things, obviously, I think a short-term or long-term extension for Derek Carr is coming up. Regardless of what Josh McDaniel says, I think that gets hammered out sometime mm-hmm. in March, either right before free agency or the first week of free agency. I think that gets done. The other thing is, and I alluded to it briefly a few minutes ago, I, I think there are going to be some cuts. And I think Nick Kwiatkowski and Corey Littleton are two guys that are going to get cut or have their contracts restructured. Kenyon Drake is a question mark for me. I know he has $5.5 million dead money attached to his deal, but if they could move him or maybe add, add another year to his contract and spread out the, the cost of his cap hit, I think that could happen as well. I don't think any big trades could happen other than one I did write about, but this is more of a cut. James Bradbury may be in trouble with the New York mm-hmm. Giants. Not in trouble, but I think he's a potential cap cut because they're trying to clear cap space. I believe they were $12.2 million over to begin the week. They let go of uh, Devontae Booker, who Raiders fans know. He's a backer for Josh Jacobs. Uh, they also let go of Kyle Rudolph. So they're trimming salaries, and James Bradbury, who has the second highest cap hit, I believe $21.9 million for 2022, he could be next. And if he's cut, he has ties to Patrick Graham. He was his yep. lead quarterback in New York. He gets cut, I believe, his first time in Vegas. That would be a nice little pickup for the Raiders and for Josh McDaniels in his first year and Patrick Graham, as you said. All right, we are up against the end of the show. Man, it went quick talking about ice cream and combines and linebackers and all this kind of stuff. Mo, as always, my friend, it's a pleasure. I know you have your piece on Sports Not tomorrow. What else can people look for on the combine from you? I'm going to wrap up the combine. I didn't do one for every day, but as you know, there's one up. There's going to be one up for offensive linemen, top, basically top of the offensive linemen. There is to look out for after the combine. And then I'll tie in all the defensive players. I have my top five right. uh, combine workout guys, workout warriors from the combine among the defensive linemen and the defensive backs coming out on Monday. All right. Well, there you go. Make sure you read Mo and uh, make sure you listen to him here on the show. For Momo, and I am Scott Branson. This has been Silver and Black Tonight. Check us out, silverandblacktonight.com. Make sure you subscribe up on YouTube as well. Hit that notifications button, too. So if you want to watch us instead of listen to us, you can. But for everyone here at the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio, have a great weekend, Raider Nation. We'll talk to you next week. Thank you for joining us. Please catch Silver and Black tonight every Friday at 6 p.m. on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio.